Hey everyone, this is Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, here with another In the Cloud interview. On today's episode of In the Cloud, we're going to be exploring some trends in the rise of no-code applications, specifically in enterprise settings. We're going to break down how these platforms work in practice and why they're becoming increasingly important as companies find new ways to go lean and efficient with their operations. Here to give us some perspective is Sagi Eliyahu. He's co-founder and CEO of Tonkin, which is a company that's developing enterprise-grade no-code operating systems for business operations efficiency. Right now, they're used by enterprise clients like Salesforce, Google, and major gig work companies. Sagi, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, real pleasure again to source your insights today. Thank you again for taking some time to chat with us. So uh, let's just start by getting a better sense for what the dynamics look like today between companies and basically how they perceive no code. When you're pitching no code to enterprise, excuse me, enterprise players who've yet to jump into these workflows, how are some of these enterprise level companies viewing their operations uh, and their operations teams and workflows? Do you find that they're prioritizing them as they digitally transform things like their networks and shape their new business models to new ESG pressures, or are they not prioritizing uh, or uh, seeing them as a valuable investment? Why or why not of those two options? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's actually been a massive shift in the last few years, um, somewhat even bigger shift in the last one year with, with COVID and everything. But you know, even going a little bit uh, back, um, you know, the last decade was all about the cloud, still digital transformation. A lot of it is about moving to the cloud in some organizations, uh, but really that move to the cloud and move to APIs, that move to SaaS in general, sort of opened a new door into how we leverage software within organizations. You know, more people can just, you know, double click into a, uh, a service online and start using it and, and improving their process that way. With that value came a lot of you know responsibility as well, where now you have different parts of the business that can bring new technology in, but not necessarily going through IT. So you know we've you know it's not news uh, that concept of shadow IT and what that means to the business. Fast forward, you know where we are right now. Um, and with COVID forcing more and more people to be more agile, like you mentioned, to, to be able to move faster, to be more adaptive, you know, as they uh, think about their operations and their processes, we needed tools and capabilities to enable the business to move fast, but without jeopardizing the importance of governance and best practices and, and compliance. So um, we're actually seeing uh, a massive increase in uh, both IT and business sides adapting and or planning to adapt no-code uh, technologies. And we even did a survey uh, earlier in the year and was surprised to see it's over 90% uh, already are at least planning to, to bring in uh, those type of technologies in the next, uh, in the coming year. Uh, it's definitely massive shift in the market in the last few years. Yeah, that's an unexpectedly high number. Um, you know, that's not necessarily against the uh, efficiency or efficacy of no code, but more, uh, I, I guess I didn't expect so many companies to already be eyeing it as a solution for their workflows. And just for anyone that's uh, watching who doesn't quite understand what 
no code is, just as a refresher, no code platforms focus on ease of integration, adaptability, and ease of use in their design. And so instead of requiring coding to build out these operational workflows, no code platforms utilize a malleable GUI instead to enable that kind of um, operational uh, adjustment and uh, workflow building. So why do you see a solution like this needing to exist in the first place, right? Are IT teams, especially at enterprise companies, struggling to code their own workflows, or is it becoming less efficient to try to bring that in-house 100%? And if so, why are we seeing that? I think it comes down to technology as a whole, but software specific, specifically. You know, when we move to a digital world where work is, you know, you know, over Zoom and online, and, uh, and, and a lot more is digitalized. The power of software, which is already very, very, very powerful, um, you know, technology and, 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 and tool, just continue to grow. And so the importance of leveraging software and, and deploying it into, you know, our day-to-day -day work and our strategic project becomes increasingly more important. The thing is though, in the same time, a very, very small percentage of the world population can code. Uh, I think it's less than than half a percent. Uh, it's obviously a little bit higher on you know on on enterprise and and, um, and companies uh, that are more tech savvy, but it's still relatively uh, uh, limited to certain areas of the business, whether it's IT or engineering. At the same time, there's plenty of people within the business that want to solve problems have the, the 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 appetite to solve problems and and the and the skill set to think about the process in a, a constructed way to look for a solution but it still doesn't mean that they know how to code so there's this gap between a skill set a knowledge gap and a skill set gap of coding that sort of prohibits us to unlock some of those what we call makers People that can, you know, look for problems and, and, and look for solutions for their problems by themselves to actually deploy a solution. No code and low code, but specifically no code as a concept, is really about expanding the pie, expanding the pie of who can use software to solve problems. So instead of just thinking about how can we make IT or engineering that already knows how to code, to code faster, that's also useful. Can we actually increase it into an, uh, additional areas within the business and additional um, functions to actually control their own destiny and start to create innovation in a faster pace? That is, I think, the most important point when thinking about the potential of why this no-code thing becomes like, uh, you know, such used buzzword recently. It's when you start to unlock um, more people to do more it's an exponential growth versus a linearly, you know, just making things faster. So even the biggest uh, no-code platform proponents don't advocate for these solutions 100% replacing existing workflows and platforms that maybe already work for specific niche business styles or niche industries. So for companies that are eyeing no-code, how should they think about integrating no-code to synergize those new platforms with existing applications in a way that actually maximizes both? Yeah, that's a great question. Our philosophy personally 
is uh, when you think about, again, going back to software and technology as a whole, when you think about the role of that within a workflow, within a business process, we got used to think about business process from a data perspective of how can we handle data better? How can we you know, visualize data better? Um, and leaving the, the, the people that are part of that process more of a, of, of a user, of, uh, you know, of someone that can change their behavior if need to, to fit to the tool. Our philosophy is a bit different, is when you design a process, the actual constant uh, is the people. Uh, they're the one that, that in your business can add the biggest value, add the innovation, come up with the questions to ask. And so when we think about a process, we should think about how do we align the technology to actually work for the people and not the opposite way, which means that we think we need to start thinking about ROI, not only as a company ROI, but also what is the individual ROI of every person in that process. That's a bit long way to answer your question, but it starts there because once you understand the different personnel, you realize that you don't always want to change someone's behavior just for the sake of the rest of the process. And enabling them to keep each part of, the, of, of that process to stay wherever they're comfortable, comfortable with, and then trying to use no code and, and other more advanced technologies like NLP, OCR, and so on, to actually stitch things together is kind of what you know our approach to this entire problem. So you can actually get to a best of breed situation and everyone can stay um, in their best uh, fit tool and technology while keeping the process intact. So as you go as a customer, as, a, as, an, as an industry, as you go to look into no code, low code, I think it's, it's important to uh, get a little bit more educated on, on what is out there and start to really look at it as an alternative to the sort of the commonly known build versus buy. It provided a, a third option of, hey, well, maybe we want to build this. And by building, I mean, you know, in-house write code for it. Maybe we want to buy off the shelf. Or maybe we actually want to compose a solution on top of the things that we already have and use something like Tonkin um, and other no-code solutions to enable the business to compose their own um, you know, personalized solutions. So let's ground no code around uh, a specific industry. I'm just going to use retail as the industry here. How do you see investments in no code intersecting with some of the post COVID pressures on enterprise retailers, for example, because they got hit hard at multiple points during the pandemic, right? At the supply chain, uh, at their uh, sort of need to ingest the accelerated e-commerce demand that the pandemic brought, as well as their marketing strategies too, with digital channels suddenly becoming the core way to promote and having to shift those strategies to those more uh, emphasized channels. So is this a no-code investment that you think makes sense in this context? You know, give us some examples there and how you think it speaks to the bigger picture uh, impact of no-code. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest value, uh, immediate value of, of no-code is the time to value and the agility that comes with it. I think when you think about um, any big uh, company going through COVID, in, in multiple industries, uh, that includes you know entertainment and travel and hospitality as well. There's a lot of different areas. 
in which the direct impact uh, on the on on those businesses customers you know was was really transformational um, to the way they run the business if your entire processes are are you know written in stone in code that you've built in-house or multiple big investments you you did in buying off-the-shelf software making changes to this is really hard to do in scale right so you mentioned all of a sudden a lot of requests coming from customers um, or changes that happens in supply chain making those changes if it takes three six nine months that can be a big problem so the agility adaptiveness is important if you had no code uh, in some of those key uh, uh, points within that processes where the business professionals, operation teams, or business analysts within those teams that understand the process and the business impact and the business needs the best because they're on the front line. That's literally their job, right? To improve that process. If they have the tool and the capabilities to go about changing it and creating some uh, uh, tests and iterations as part of it, see the result and continually to improve on it, your impact on the business would be much faster and the time to value would be much higher versus the alternative of they come up with an hypothesis and now you need to go through buying a um, new vendor or, or a new tool or having IT or engineering you know, redo part or, or develop and test and a lot of different steps that it requires that shrinks nine months, six or nine months of development to a few days, um, sometimes even a few hours. Uh, that iteration in business in general, but definitely when a big change happened in the economy, that iteration and agility is really what separate folks that you know comes up strong at the end of it. All right, last but not least, I want to uh, give your company a little shout out here. You recently announced your Series B funding round, which is obviously exciting. And so with major players like Google and Salesforce already in your list of clientele, where do you see there being left to grow for no-code enterprise-grade workflows and your company specifically? I guess maybe more specifically, where do you see some room for improvement or areas of opportunity to scale? I think the... The market is definitely growing, like we said, um, and maturing rapidly, but it's still in its infancy, really. Um, you can leverage uh, our, our technology, Tonkin, and again, um, other technologies in, this, in the broader space of automation and no-code uh, everywhere in the business, from back office to front office, um, from developers to non-developers. There's a lot more that we can do to sort of uh, expand that that pie as I mentioned, and so we feel uh, very um, uh, you know happy and 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 um, and proud that we were able to grow rapidly during the last few years and and raise another round of financing uh, and really you know use that to deploy more resources uh, and expand on the on you know the promise of our value uh, with our current customers and adding you know more customers. Uh, and helping more and more companies uh, across uh, across the, the, the globe. All right. I think on that note, that does it for our conversation today. Sagi Eliyahu, thank you so much for your insights today and giving us a better understanding of where no-code platforms are at in the context of today's economy and market pressures 
and how you see no code supporting some already existing workflows and transforming others as companies continue to digitally transform in their own ways. So again, we've been chatting with Sagib Eliyahu. He's co-founder and CEO of Tonkin. And Sagi, if folks want to find out more about the work Tonkin is doing, maybe they want to source you as a solution uh, or they want to read up on some of your research, how can they do so? Um, welcome to go to our uh, website at Tonkin.com, following us at Twitter uh, at Tonkin. And um, we're uh, eager to hear you know comments and ideas and help uh, anywhere we can. Fantastic. Sagi, thanks again for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure.